Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Comedy gets better. And when some people go, there'll never be comedy. I believe if Richard Pryor and George Carlin and all the greats of the past could actually listen right now and, and, and they heard someone going, comedy got better, they'd be happy. They don't just care about comedy at their era. They, they will go, hey, you hear comedy's getting better and better. But a lot of comedians that are now 40 and 43 and 45, when they were 22, they, you know, they, they grew, they became great. Now we're remembering. Comedy gets better and better and better. That's just the way it is. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Very excited about this episode, which was taped live from Montreal, Canada, Just for Laughs Festival there. One of the greatest events ever. If you've never been, you got to check it out. It's fantastic. And it equals the energy and the respect and the power of my guest today, Todd Glass who will definitely blow you away in many, many ways. But before I get started, I just want to thank you guys again, as I always do. I can't stop it. You guys have just been so wonderful to me and the show. And without you, there is no show. So thank you again, those of you who have been here before, for subscribing and listening and passing it on to your friends and family and associates. And for those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. And I hope you subscribe and recommend it to your friends and family as well, because there's a lot of moments in these shows and it's heading into almost 300 of them where things happen that are just so inspirational and so unique and so impactful. If you need to get a hold of me at any time, you can just do so on Twitter, at Barry Katz or Instagram or whatever you want to do. You can find me. I answer everything. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than normal, but I will. So without further ado, let's introduce our guest. Todd Stephen Glass is an American stand-up comedian who is equally adept at working in the alternative and mainstream venues with his unique combination of surreal and absurd comedy. Born and raised in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he first began performing stand-up comedy in the city of brotherly love in 1982 and made his earliest television appearances in the late 80s on A&E's Evening at the Improv and in the early 90s on several shows, including MTV stand-up programs. Glass is perhaps best known for his extraordinary and unique appearances as a contestant on the second and third seasons of NBC's hit show, Last Comic Standing, and has appeared regularly on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn, The Dennis Miller Show, Politically Incorrect, and Mr. Show, and his Comedy Central Presents special. Early on in his career, Glass released an incredible debut stand-up album called Vintage Todd Glass and Other Crap. Since then, he has released a plethora of other content, 
that blows audiences away, including the critically acclaimed album Thin Pig, which was released on Comedy Central Records, and his latest Netflix special, which is airing this year. Additionally, he continues to pile up tons of appearances on television's most relevant shows, including The Daily Show, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Tosh.0, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, Sarah Silverman's I Love You, America. A year after a near-fatal heart attack in 2010, Glass debuted his amazing podcast, The Todd Glass Show, on the Nerdist Podcasting Network and has been rated the number one podcast by the Podcasters Association of America every year since its debut. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who needs no introduction, but will want one anyway. I'm so excited. What an honor. Todd Glass. Hi, Barry. How you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. I think I didn't have to talk yet today. So I thought I wasn't as tired as I was. I was out last night. So probably I went to bed at like five, which we're on L.A. time. So it's not as hard, but it's so much fun last night. It's just great. It was just so many comedians, just everything I wanted it to be. Every year I go, is it going to be as much fun as last year or the year before? And went to McDonald's and we're at McDonald's at four in the morning. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just great. It's just a lot of comedians and it's just a lot of it's funny. I will stay up if I'm doing bits. Um, I'll, I'll never, I wanted to stay up later. I was like, but there's nobody up. I hung up by the elevators at like, I think at 4.30 I was hanging out by the elevators going, you know, that's when the last people straggle in and you can get one last hangout. <laughs> nobody, nobody. <laughs> I'm like, where is everybody? But um, I feel good. So my voice is a little groggy, but other than that, I feel great. How many times have you been to the Montreal just for last festival? You know, I probably since, I think, I know 94 was the first year I came. That was their 10-year anniversary. And probably maybe 10 or 15 times. Every time, I'm like everybody else, I always get insecure. Oh, I'm not going to, It's I won't get invited back. Even when I'm here, it's so funny. Jealousy is such a funny thing. And, and um, I try to, I do turn it into motivation most of the times. I said to my friend once, oh, I shouldn't be jealous. He goes, oh, no, 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 that jealousy is a fine Jealousy is normal, normal. Just what you do with it is the trouble. You Can you turn it into motivation and be a little jealous, but turn a lot, or do you just turn it all into bitterness? So like last night, I'm here at the festival. I just had a Netflix special, but then I see the wall with Netflix because they're doing a specific thing up here. I get it, and they have all the names up there. I'm like, why? Why, why isn't my name up there? Who is the first comedian you were ever jealous of? I used to be jealous of the wrong things. I used to be jealous of gimmicks. You know, like when I was 19 or 20, a guy would call himself this and he'd have a whistle and he'd be like, he's got a clipboard. He calls himself, I don't even want to so say. you're jealous of Mr. Bullhorn, Glenn Super? Glenn Super, who, by the way, I, you know, I, I love the bullhorn. I thought, oh, that bullhorn, God damn it, how old you would know Glenn Super, who has unfortunately uh, uh, passed away, died. But um, I, that bullhorn, oh my God. I was like, why couldn't I have thought of that? <laughs> but uh, I get jealous of... Uh, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it could be my peers. It could be old, lot younger comedians a lot that, uh, you know, I try to, I, I find myself sometimes jealous of, but uh, but in a good way. Like I could turn it, like seeing Rory Scovel and then going, you know, learning, you know, taking that and learning from it. And I have, you know, I have learned from younger comedians. Tell me some people like Rory who you see in the clubs and you're like, this person's doing the right thing. I see a lot of, you know, it's so funny when you go to give examples, like a lot of times you, you know their names, you know their first name, you don't know their last name. But uh, anybody keeping it a little wider, that's uh, oh, Caleb Sion, I think is a really funny guy. And I never think of names, but I, but, I, but I stand my ground, which I've said many times, there's a lot of new funny people. There's a ton of new funny people. Do you think this new crop of people are as funny as the crop around in the 90s when you were starting? Can I tell you something? And, I, and I'm being totally honest. I told myself, because I'm, I'm obsessed with what you just asked me. So I wanted to make sure that I don't just have a talking point when I go into a podcast and I start talking about what I want to talk about. I didn't want to do that. I thought if Barry doesn't ask me about this, I'm not going to talk about it in a good way. I talk about it enough. But the answer to that question is yes. And, I'm, and I'm, I might up the way I say it. Uh, I am right. I am right. Uh, and a lot of people don't think it was. They go, oh, comedy's not what it used to be. And they'll do a song and dance once and I find out I disagree. You know, they'll be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not saying there's no new funny people. 
But yes, we're, we're remembering. When you remember, let me ask you an honest question. Do you think so? No. And you're wrong. And you can't be relevant when you're wrong. And I'm telling you, I've thought about this. I thought you might ask it. And I thought you might even disagree. You are wrong. And if you don't mind being wrong, and that's a great question. But do you mind being not like, oh, yeah, we're always a little wrong here, a little wrong there. But do you mind being dead fucking wrong on something you're pretty sure you got a really good you got a grip on and you can explain why and you've talked about it it just doesn't make sense barry it's just not true because it, it comedy gets better and when some people go they'll never be comedy i believe if richard pryor and george carlin and all the greats of the past could actually listen right now and and, and they heard someone going comedy got better they'd be happy they don't just care about comedy at their era they they will go hey you hear comedy's getting better and better comedy gets better and better and better that's just the way it is and i get if you look at it topically the comedians that are going to be some of the greats you don't you know you're looking at Chappelle after he became what Chappelle was not even at a young age I remember seeing Chappelle and I remember thinking fuck this guy's funny but a lot of comedians that are now 40 and 43 and 45 when they were 22 that you know that they grew they became great now we're remembering it's the same as music and you know what maybe I'm being a little dick about it but I'll tell you why because Steve Allen, all he did was talk about comedy's not what it used to be. Comedy's not what it used to be. And then and, and it's like, because he, he wasn't really in touch with it. And I got tired of it. I was 20, 22, and comedy's not what it used to be. Comedy's not what it used to be. And I was like, shut the fuck up. So as an older comedian now, as I get older, I like throwing a lifeline out to comedians. I believe when you're around and no one's around, you think comedy is not just, a, it doesn't get less. Even if you're saying it's a fraction, not as good. You're wrong. It's better. And by the way, not only is comedy better, venues are better. I agree with my personal taste, and it's just my taste. That doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong. It's like music. Some people like Nine Inch Nails. Some people like Green Day. Comedy where it's more alternative, it never really moved my comedy senses as much as a straight stand-up who just goes on and plants his feet but, and delivers. But hold on, but the straight stand-ups that could do both scenes, which I was one of those like guys. Like Fortune, Feimster, or you. Yeah, I always found it a treat because, look, both scenes have, like, you could say, you know, there's tricks of hack hacks in both scenes. Maybe it doesn't even matter what, but in the, in the regular comedy club scene, there's good and the bad, and in the alternative scene, there's good and bad. But what I always liked about it, and again, I don't call, I try not to call it alternative comedy. Cause what do you call it? I just think there's certain venues that cultivate wonderful audiences by how strict they are with them. That's really all it comes down to. When you're at a good club, they don't put up with table talking. Every club will stop hecklers, but the good, the cream of the crop, they're strict on even table conversation. So they cultivate these beautiful audiences. Like the M Bar in Los Angeles has been a great vehicle. Any comedians that could do both rooms, it is a treat to go over to what it's, it's often called, you know, an alternative and, scene. And I have enormous respect for those who can do both rooms because it's two different kinds of muscles. So here's my argument. And every single new comic, including Chelsea Peretti, who's not really new. I'm sure she's been doing it about nine years now. But and she's so funny. And I totally agree with you. I'm going to mention names from the Don't past worry. and now. And you tell me after I get done what comics would put themselves on the Mount Rushmore of comedy. What does it matter? I think you're wrong, but bigger than that, what does it matter? If you're going to make try to, it seems like you're trying to say that comedy, you're not saying it's horrible, you're not saying it's horrendous, you're saying there's young, brilliant comedians you're absolutely aware of. I get it, I want to, but I want to represent you well. You hear what I just said? So you don't have to go, oh, I'm not, I know it, you're saying it. But you're saying overall, something's missing that used to be around. Am I right? Can I? Because in therapy, you have to repeat what the person's saying. You don't go further. If I can't repeat what you're saying and you go, yeah, you understood me, then we shouldn't go any further. Did I just represent what you are basically saying right? And if not, I want to do it until I do. Because how can I react to you until I know what you're saying? Are you saying. I think it's close. Off the top of my head, I'm going to just mention some names right. that have meant something to me along the way. And some of these people are stand-ups, and some of them were alternative, some were sketch. People that meant something to me along the way. Richard Pryor, Cosby, Robin Williams, Bob Newhart, Jim Jeffries, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Rodney Dangerfield, 
Okay, so those are about ten names that meant something to me along the way. I'll throw Eddie Murphy in there. And the reason why they meant something to me is they created these extraordinary, larger-than-life, original, authentic, unique performances. When they got off stage, it was like a fucking 18-wheel truck just fell through the ceiling and you never heard it coming through. Everyone had their own style. Everyone could act and they could perform so great. And when they got off stage, there was no one like that. There was no one ever close to being like that. And so when I see the group of comedians in the last 10 years, I see very few that have that kind of like, holy fuck, I can't believe what I just saw. And I'm telling you, that although Eddie Pepitone and Chelsea Peretti and Andy Kindler know that they're original and know that they're unique and Rory Scovel, they know they're great and they know they're doing something special. They also know that at this point in time, they would never compare themselves to the holy shit. I'm sure that those people that you just said wouldn't put themselves on the hall of, of uh, the Mount Rushmore of comedy 30 years ago. They did not get to be the great comics they were by having the security to imply that they should be on the hall of fame. So, of course, nobody would. Nobody would. You hope you're respected amongst your peers. But after that, I wouldn't put myself on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, you know you know what I'm saying. Uh, I don't think it's my place to. I hope people, if, I'm, if that's meant to be, I hope people are doing that behind my back. So... No, I don't. So, so yeah, I don't think any of those people would have put themselves on it. Would you agree if you asked any of those people you just mentioned 30 years ago? I believe if they were in a soundproof booth alone, they would say they were, they did belong. And Hackett would say it. Rickles would say it. When they were 10 years in or whatever, they would say that they believed they were the best. If I were to take Chappelle aside in a conversation without him being in a soundproof booth i know because he has a way of wording things where it never comes across conceited so if i said to him do you consider yourself to be one of the best he would say yes but he would say it in a way with such humility and that he would word it in a way that you would never think he was arrogant all the people i mentioned i believe in terms of the craft of comedy geniuses I believe that they're in that category, in the craft of comedy. I don't know where they are and other things. I get what you're saying, just stand-up comedy alone. Stand-up comedy geniuses. And I don't know if I could name three geniuses working in the class of the last 10 years of stand-up comic, and I don't know if any of them working could name three geniuses. But I just named 10 or 12 geniuses from the past and the reason why I'm going there is this is I believe that a lot of people are geniuses today I think there's a lot of really extraordinary people but I believe the way comedy and the construct of it is it's not so much important to comedians these days in this cycle of comedy for a lot of them to be that the fucking A-bomb went off after I performed and there's devastation. No one's going to be able to follow me. I think there's a more artist-friendly thing where you follow your own creativity and the audience response isn't always as important as it used to be in this cycle. I'm not talking about the cycle of the people doing it 15 to 25 years that are on the road, the Gaffigans, the... Brad Williams, the Joe Rogans, and Bill Burrs, and people like that, they're crushing. But I'm talking about the new people, I feel that's not so much the goal. It's just being creatively authentic. And if I get a great response, I get a great response. If I don't, I don't. But I still want to be true to myself. So it's a different kind of cycle now. And I don't think there's as many people out there blowing people away as they're used to and i think they could if they focused on more things if they wanted to a lot of them but they don't for some reason and i don't know why 
one of the things I love about you, and I've always loved about you, is you're a holy shit moment kind of guy. I remember the first television appearance ever was on the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. I saw it. You did the bit of your dad smoking. Yeah. And that's 25 years ago, and I still remember it today. Why do I remember it? Because you created that holy shit original moment that nobody has done since. And that's why I always remember you, and I always love you, because you create those moments like that. And they respect those moments. And I think yeah. I wish more people today would focus in on creating those extraordinarily unique original moments that blow people away that's what i think audiences would love to see look i, I you know I, I i to to look at this in the present you know people did this with music and i and you know they all thought music's not what it used to be music's not what it used to be and you know what i always said yes it is yes it is Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. Even if I don't represent myself properly today, and I hope I do, I hope I get some clean thoughts out, I am still right, and there is a right and wrong. There is a right and wrong. I'll go out and say I it. I can't believe with the therapy you still say right and wrong. Yeah, because... Someone listening to this right now is going, I get what Todd's trying to say, and I'm going to get it out. Your but, therapist tells you to tell people they're wrong. Well, we're talking about a bigger issue that comedy doesn't, like, you, I hear what you're saying a lot. Nay, I was outside with a comedian once, and I was, Nay, and he was going, nah, there's no comedians. Everybody feels that way. But what's it matter? A comedy changes. Maybe what's great about comedy today is a little different. What do you think was bad about comedy in the 80s? You just, you just mentioned some comedians. You know what? It, it, you mentioned Eddie Murphy without even any embarrassment that that guy went on stage and said, there's no gay people here. Fags are hanging from a tree over there. In my neighbor, there aren't fags. All these dick suckers want money for AIDS. Fuck you. Go get a job like when I want a new car. So what about what about that stuff? Is that just comedy? I mean, they, he, he made some major mistakes. A lot of major mistakes were made back then. I think it's all right that comedians today are trying to go, you know, you can have grit and you can have guts and you can, but, you, but they're considering, hey, just because we're in front of a brick wall doesn't mean we can't be dicks with microphones. So 
maybe it changes a little. Maybe, maybe even the answer is maybe there's not as many guys out that can fucking murder. But I think it's just that they haven't been doing it as long. I think it's like music. We tend to remember the cream of the crop. We're in the midst of this era, so it's hard to look at it subjectively. But doesn't it bother you at all? And I think you know I'm right. With a gun to your head right now, if somebody had a crystal ball, are people 30 years from now, 20 years from now, going to be sitting here having the same conversation that you're having? Doesn't that bother you? And I think deep down you go, I think he's right. I think that, because you know what? 30 years ago, all the guys you mentioned, the era before them thought they were bad. They're just dirty. And we're like, they're not just dirty. They're using foul language, but who cares? 30 years ago, all the comedians you mentioned, the era before that said exactly what you're saying. And it didn't end up being true. Doesn't that bother you a little? You go, fuck, is Todd right? It's just, it's, this is old news. And that's why I listened because I knew I had to, but I really didn't have to listen to you because this is old fucking news. Comedy today, comedy today. Who gives a shit? You're not going to stop it. It is what it is. And personally, I think it gets better. You know, I think the worst era, because I think comedy, you can go back to the 40s and see brilliant comedy that held the test of time. 60s, you can see brilliant comedy that held the test of time. I don't think just because years pass by, old comedy looks bad. You look at old Smothers Brothers stuff and it's brilliant. But I think you're mentioning a lot of great comedians, of course, but in that era, to be honest, if I did, and I was part of that era, so I'm not a 20-year-old kid saying this. There's always bad comedy. But you know what? I thought there was more bad comedy. Now, of course, there were the brilliant comics in that era, too. But I thought the late 70s, 80s, 80s, up to 80s were bad because there was one way to get on television. If you weren't a, you know, a Tonight Show type of a guy, you couldn't represent, you couldn't maybe have a career because you're not, you're not a TV, you're not a wordsmith where you can go on the Tonight Show and do. Now there's a million other vehicles for comedians that maybe aren't right to do a tight late night set, but are still brilliant. And there's other avenues and what people like Netflix are doing. So, you know, to me, it's like getting into the nitty gritty, I might lose, but in the bigger picture, and I will shut up and ask you a question. Don't you think the comedians from the 60s were saying the same thing about Richard Pryor, the same thing about Eddie Murphy, the same thing about everybody you just mentioned, Sam Kinison? What do you think the comedians, the, the, the Steve Allens, were saying about that group? All the greats you just mentioned, and I agree. What do you think the producers and people in the business and managers at the time, not now, were saying you know, from the 60s, 69, 71, what do you think they were saying about the era that you just said? They were saying the same thing as you. They were sitting around going, oh, they're just dirty. And back then you had guys and they would list them like you. Ba-ba-boom, ba-ba-ba-boom, ba-ba-ba-boom. Now you got him. Hey, granted, the guy's funny, but he just, they were saying the same thing as you. I think you know it. I'm not letting you up on that. I, the reason no one wants to hold anybody on something because they're afraid when they re-listen to it, you're like, Todd, you weren't letting Barry talk. But I think I'm right. I think I'm right. They were saying the same fucking thing. Do you have, and then I want to say to myself to remind myself, I want to be relevant when I'm 80. I really do. And it's not going to happen if I don't start now and stop that shit with what comedy is today. Comedy today, what it is. And, and or it used to be this. It's still great. It just might take different forums. One thing might have been better back then. But like I said, you know, you do you admit that in the 80s there was a lot of shit comedy? There's a lot of shit everything every Right, decade. so why, isn't this like, when two, isn't that really the end of the story? There's always going to be great, brilliant comedy, and there's always going to be shit comedy. That era you're talking about, there was a lot of shit comedy. You're not denying that, though. I get what you're saying. You're just saying there was a lot of shit, but there was a lot of great comedy. But again, I'm going to go back. You don't think those guys like Steve Allen and his contemporaries. No, I think it's very possible. What do you think they were saying about all the new comedy you just mentioned? I can imagine Hackett saying things like that because Hackett believed he was the best. And what do you think they were saying about all the people you just mentioned? Hackett, uh, guys like Steve Allen. I can't mention their names, but you know, just like now, you, they had a bunch of friends and they I'm all sure talked about comedy. I'm sure they'd see Pryor and say that's not comedy or that's too dirty or whatever. And then I, why are you any different than them? No, I'm not different. I just answered a question that I didn't think the comedy was at the level it was then. I didn't say what level comedy was then and what level it is now. Comedy now in this cycle is not as strong as it was in other but cycles. But that's what they were saying. But that's Doesn't the, that bother you that they were so wrong? Do you think you could be? Let me ask you a question. Were they wrong? You can say that's their opinion, but come on. I think Lenny Bruce holds up to George Carlin. And say, what do you think that the comedians, the when George Carlin was 35, when Lenny Bruce was whatever year, what do you think the comedians, the, the era before that, were saying about all those guys? 
You don't think pretty close to what you're saying right now? Yes, but every decade there's extraordinary comedians. I want you to name the comedians of this decade right now that are, in your opinion, geniuses. I'm not going to, and I'll tell you why. Because when they said the Beatles, the Frank Sinatra and all those guys, they went, ah. So that's the, the, the discussion we'll get in. He, was, he, he thought music. You think the, Frank Sinatra, this was his opinion. You think Frank Sinatra said this? Oh, my God, music's in a great place. I don't care for the Beatles. No, he was, what he thought about the Beatles was probably what he thought about all new music. And what I'm saying is sometimes you don't have to go into the specifics. I don't think, and if I'm wrong, Barry, a close friend of mine will say, eh, Todd, you really, if you're arguing that argument, you got to be, be able to list a few. He's asking you. I don't have to to prove where comedy's at. Because then we get into that discussion that when with music. When I sat out there with a, com a comedian outside the improv about two years ago, and he was going, exactly what you're doing. He's like a 60-year-old comedian, and he, uh, and he, was, a, and he, had a, he was a showrunner. He's very wealthy. And he goes, name some people. Name some people. I go, well, I can tell you people that are on their way to being there. I'll name a person who, when the first time I saw them, I saw something really special. The material was really special. Maybe the performance when I first saw them wasn't 100% there yet, but neither was Chris Rock when I saw him do the Bill Cosby is a racist routine at the comedy store. But Gerard Carmichael was really special when I saw him in the club for the first time, and he was young and he was new, and the material he was doing was really interesting. So I think Gerard would probably think, well, I don't have the unique mannerisms of Pryor, and I don't have what Robin Williams had. But in terms of original, unique point of view of somebody who plants their feet in front of a microphone, I think there was something really special about him that I saw the first time. Me too. And then, obviously, a genius, Spike Lee, said, you know what? I see it too. I'm going to do a special with you. And then NBC says, you know what? I see it in you too. I know you've never acted in a show before, but I'm going to put you in something. The world is saying there, okay, there's something happening with this young kid in the generation that you're talking about. Right. So he's somebody who I point to as somebody who I think could stand the test of time and right. be one of those generational talents. I understand what you're saying, and, and I think what you're saying is some of them, if you were, like, let's say you knew they wanted to be able to annihilate. I see this sometimes. I'll see something that's really funny, but then 10 years later, if you're just bouncing around L.A. doing five, six-minute sets, you're not going to be able to go, no, I see they're clever, and I see they're funny. Definitely. But when we ask who our favorite comedians are amongst my friends, we go, no, no, who makes you? I get it. Not who do you think is funny, because we could both, look, I get it. We're both doing this. You draw a blank sometimes. But if tomorrow we could text each other 15 names of newer comedians that you see major promise in. Now, will they turn into a comedian that annihilates on stage is what we're asking. And how does that happen? Like And on film and on television. Right. But what if the answer is comedy is in a better place, even if there's not as many comedians that could do that. I will agree with you. Comedy is in a better place now than it was. Look, the Improv just built the 500-seat Brea Room, state-of-the-art, beautiful yeah. Oxnard, just opened here in California. That The new Largo that was renovated five years ago or whatever yeah. it was, the 300-seat room. When so I think of great clubs, I mean on the road, like there's like the Vermont Comedy Club that proves you can have serve drinks and food and still comedy is first the helium chain the dc improv but they've been around a while but a lot of new chains the bloomington uh, comedy addict that has proven that they, they've they've cultivated these crowds at the comedy addict in bloomington that they're like they're going to see the opera but they're there to see comedy and you can see brilliant comedy i just want to share another groundbreaking product with you it's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates and i'm talking about the air doctor the air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside but with the air doctor you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust pet hair mold pollen flu viruses and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. 
but now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. You said something really fascinating, profound, Todd, that I want to share with you, which I think you'll agree with. If Eddie Murphy went on at the Comedy Cellar and opened up his set there with Ralph Pramden getting anally sexually assaulted by Art Carney, the comics in the back would be like, what a fucking hack. They'd be like, why is this guy doing anal rape jokes with television characters on our comedy seller stage? If Steve Martin went on at the improv on Melrose with an arrow through his I got, I, I disagree on Steve feet. Martin. I think Steve Martin in a regular club. I don't want to use the word alternative clubs because you know what? Alternative comedians. Because you know what I think it was? I think it was it got misinterpreted alternative comedy. I think it was at alternative venues is what happened. And I lived it. I was with Dave Rath hauling PA systems around to take empty spaces because comedy was so popular in the 90s that there were all these clubs and they were putting people in that weren't really really there for comedy you couldn't do anything different so the scene emerged alternative venues where they were cultivating different things i think steve martin and i always say this when people sort of take a little bit of a shit on the alternative scene we'll call it that because i know that's what it's been labeled uh but you know my stance on that it's more alternative venues it's any club now i just look at it does that venue uh, have they cultivated these wonderful crowds or they have cultivated crowds that they let talk so they can serve chicken strips that's what it comes down to um so um when when i look at a guy like steve martin i used to when i was defending the alternative scene i used to go you know what if steve martin was around today the club the bad clubs wouldn't have thought it. They would have just thought it's an arrow through his head. But the alternative scene, if he was around, Steve Martin in 2000, the alternative scene would have embraced him like they embraced Weird Al Yankovic. So they, they're not, the alternative scene, I know people think, oh, it's dark and edgy and it's an excuse not to tell jokes. This was the same thing being said. Oh, it's not as funny, the alternative scene, but I bet we could go find five, six comedians that people were shitting all over the alternative scene 20 years ago that now have developed, they can annihilate. But I'm saying, even if I can't think of them, it doesn't make me wrong, and I will be able to. It's just different. Comedy changes, and in the present, you can't get a good perspective of it. And that's why I think I have a better perspective than, than you and maybe some other people. Because you go, well, Todd, how do you have a better perspective? You're, you're looking at it the same. We're both in the moment talking about it. How are you claiming you have? Because I'm taking the past into consideration. And the comedians from the 40s thought the, com the comedy in the 50s was as good. The comedian in the 50s thought the comedy in the 60s was as good. The comedian in the 60s thought that all comedians did was curse in the 70s. The comedians in the 80s thought the comedy. And now it just goes on and on and on and on. So eventually you go, maybe my instincts are wrong. Maybe because, it, maybe, and, and, and that's why I thought the best thing I said, what's it matter? I said 20 minutes ago to you. What's it matter? And am I lunging to discuss this? Yeah. I knew we might discuss this today. I was hoping we did. But that's why the most important thing, so I don't look like a lunatic, and you will go back. You did ask it 10 minutes in. You did say it. You did say comedy or whatever so you know it's and you know i ask myself why i talk about this all the time i do i go well, what are you obsessed with talking about this for if i think at times i've made clear points but i think the bigger point is you know i have an expression if something doesn't bend someone's ear i don't think they're having a conversation now if i can't change their opinion no people can listen to you wholeheartedly and 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 not and and still not change their opinion but for what i said about the comedy from the 50s to the 60s to the 70s if that didn't bend your ear and have you go could i be off on this could i because you think the one thing that would make you make a point i get it even if you say there's no right or wrong i bet there's a better way to say what i said when right or wrong but you thought that was like, be honest with me, come on here. Like, you thought that was your way. If he can't mention them, I made my point, and I don't think so. And I think if you're not going, wow, could it be, even if I'm right in an isolated thing, 
How necessary is it that I bring it up? It's like people that talk about the kids today. Even if you can find an isolated thing that kids do wrong today, I bet you're leading with it. And what I mean is people that go, oh, the kids today. And you go, well, kids are brilliant. You go, they'll always want to tell you, no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know, I know kids are brilliant today. I'm not saying all kids. But they, what they want to soak in and talk about 95 or 99% of the time or what the kids are doing bad. They'll always no, no, no you when you tell them they're brilliant. Okay, so you know some children are brilliant today but if i was a fly on the wall around you and no one else was around what you talk about most of the time is what kids today are doing wrong even though you say you know they're doing great things but all the time kids 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 and that's what i'm saying i probably predicted about a lot of people today they're they're so they're spending more time talking about like oh the comedy today and 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 this it's like what's it matter in a way and it, it doesn't that bother you that you're saying what Steve Allen and all those guys said about all the comedians you love that you mentioned, you mentioned that should be on the Mount Rushmore Hall of Comedy. You're saying the comedians that we mentioned, like, you know, the older guys, I keep saying the same thing, the Steve Allen said exactly about your favorites, what you're saying about the ear of comedy today. Doesn't that bend your ear a little to go, oh, shit. Do you think I do you think you're do you think you're equivalent to a Steve Allen at all today or someone like it? I'm nowhere near Steve Allen. I'm like a pinhead on the ground next to Steve Allen. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's comedians that will listen to this? Be honest with me and go, Todd's overall right. Comedy's better. And and to even bring it up, like to go. I would pray that there's going to be people that think that your opinion is relevant. And I would pray that I hope some people think my opinion's relevant. That's what the world. Well, of course, that's that's what we're that's what we're having. We're having a conversation. But But you know what? Along with an opinion, sometimes there's some facts. Mm -hmm. And I do think I come to it with facts. And I do think what I said to you, you could say you don't care because it wouldn't behoove you. But you, it, it, I'm surprised it doesn't bother you at all Please. that you're in the area of saying you're one of those old guys saying comedy because you're looking at it from a very topical situation and you're making an opinion on it with what you think makes such a clear example that you're right. And again, I'll keep saying, I know you know that there are very funny people out there. I think the conversation, at least the way I understand it is, how's comedy as a whole? We don't have to say every new comedian's bad because you're not. That's why I've I'm said not. it. 50. I didn't even I get say it. the level of, that I think the difference is. Uh, I, okay, okay. Well, then you're going to lose either way here. Uh, by the way, the listening audience should know that I truly do. I'll, I'll go right back to my point. I truly do have an affection for you. We've known each other a long time. It means a lot. Probably the best thing that ever happened in my career because everything else has been slow. You know, so you get something, it's slow. Last comic standing for me like really helped me a lot. You created holy shit original moments. And the people that you went on last comic standing with in the finals there were 10 of them okay how many of them are still around doing comedy to the level you're doing it today in that group in my group well gary goldman is still if gary were sitting here he would tell you that he did not create the moments on the show he wasn't creating the moments but he would say that he took that and worked hard on his writing and his performance. That's what I did. And took it to another level. By the way, Gary Goldman, I know he's not also not a new comedian, but Gary Goldman is a comedian that can go out on stage and annihilate and has worked on his craft. And I truly believe Gary has many genius qualities. Right. So so you know what you know what bothers me when you say there's no right or wrong, why I got affectionately aggressive with you is because you know what I mean. Come on. You do. And and maybe and remember one thing, people are gonna listen to this. But it but it doesn't matter. I enjoy the conversation either way because I think it helps keep me sharp. Obviously, that's why I'm passionate about it. But when I say there's new, when you say there's no right or wrong, the reason that bothers me is because, yes, there is. Yeah, um, let me tell you something. Amongst the layman, uh, comedy is comedy. It's your opinion. But amongst the, the amongst the, the core group of people, we do know. And and when I say I'm right, what I mean is that you're looking at comedy to to get where it's at in a, in a in a very in a very topical way. Just mention one that I never mentioned, Sam J. I'm excited about her. I think she's incredibly unique and but back, special. But back in out, back when we started this conversation 50 minutes ago, I thought, are we going to discuss this for it 50 was minutes? A yes or a no question. You know what? Though? No, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't you. Because let me tell you something. You know what I think a lot of people do, and I and I don't know if you're doing it. You make a point, <laughs> and instead of them reconsidering what they say, they start changing their view, and then you think. 
wait, am I, did I come in here a little bit argumentative? I don't think so. Look, we get, we're not talking about world hunger and we're not talking about kids that have cancer. We're talking about comedy. We're both passionate about it. I'm proud that I'm passionate about it. The reason I say it is because I remind myself and the listener, don't feel bad you're talking passionate about comedy. You know it's just comedy. But when you say, and here's where I'm going to go. When you go, I didn't even say what a big difference it was. I didn't. So you think it's hair and hair? I didn't say that, but I didn't say what the difference was. What is the was. difference? I'll ask you. What is the difference? You, on the comedians today versus back then, the era you're talking about, what's the difference? On a scale from 1 to 10, how many notches uh, not as good as it is okay. today? I didn't say not as good. I'm talking about the evolution and how they are. I don't want to say they're not as good or they're not. Yeah, but I'm you know what? You ever watch Dr. Phil? Moments. You ever watch Dr. Phil? And I know a lot of people. I've interviewed Dr. I know Phil, you have, dude. and I have an amazing amount of respect for him. Sometimes he does some things that are sensational that probably because he has a show he has to do but overwhelmingly i have an amazing amount of respect for him and sometimes he repeats what people say and he puts it up on a board and they go that's not what i'm saying because they don't like it the way it sounds now i'm either dead wrong or dead right but i'm going to go in and say it and the audience i think i do know what you're saying and i think you are saying it you just don't like the way it sounds when it comes back to you so let me get an isolated clear take what are you saying okay well this is where i'm going to disappoint you is because when that question is proposed to me I don't think I'm prepared to say the answer because I would have to really study my thoughts of both eras. And so I don't know the answer. I will say that there is certainly, it's not a fraction. I think it's a bigger gap than that, but it's not like Grand Canyon. Dr. Phil, I asked him what's the best advice he ever got, and this is advice that you'll laugh at based on this particular interview. He said, my dad, he said, Phil, Never miss an opportunity to shut the shut up. (laughs) That's right. What I admire about Dr. Phil is that I really do believe I have to say the sensationalism part, not to to sort of like just say something mean about him before I compliment him, because then I feel like the people that that's the problem with Dr. Phil, like when he shows up and interviews somebody and it's a little bit sensational for them. I'm aware of that. But his defending of children to me, m- makes my heart melt every time. When people yeah. come on, sometimes they bring their kid on because they want their kid to get, you know, and then they end up getting. So I have a great yeah. affection for Dr. Phil, so I love that phrase. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And Good Company, an extraordinary web series on YouTube that host Scott Bowling created where you can watch music interviews with incredible artists talking openly about their journey in the music business. If you like a great in-depth music interview where you can hear about each album in chronological order and what the artist experienced along the way, this is the show for you. Interviews with incredible talents like Michael Sweet from Striper, Clinton Lejean from Seven Dust, Brian Head Welsh from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint, Mikey from Islander, Sonny from POD, and Rich Ward from Fozzie, 
and Stuck Mojo, just to name a few. Check out Good Company on any social media outlet under Good Company with Bowling or go to www.scottgoodcompany.com. And finally, Boku Superfoods, the purest, most potent, and delicious certified organic, kosher, and vegan superfood blends on the planet. Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries with their incredible formulated powders that you just add any liquid to and make the healthiest drinks or smoothies in the world. Just go to BokuSuperfood.com. That's B-O-K-U Superfood.com. Look for the three-pack trial. Enter the promo code Barry at checkout. Just pay a minimal shipping fee and get a full week's supply of Boku Superfood for free. I guarantee you'll look and feel better and understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. And here's a preview of the next episode. If you find yourself saying comedy is a cutthroat business, I'm not saying there aren't a few isolated situations where a positive person can be immersed into a negative situation, and that's not you. That's not what I'm talking about. When you overall think the scene is a negative scene, go inward, because it's you. Because there is both in every city. I think comedy overwhelmingly is an unbelievably supportive. I think comedians by nature want to help when they see someone that's funny. If you, if you think it's not a loving scene, go inward because every city I think has both. It's just who you hang out with. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. Cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.